of the parables, one of the stories that Jesus said, there are several that are connected that are there in Matthew 25, but we're only going to look at one. And uh, in looking at that one, I need to tell you a little bit about this. This is a typical lamp of the day. Now, when I think about a lamp, you know, I think about this big hurricane thing made out of glass, got this big oil pot in it, got this wick in there, and, you know, you put the top on and it burns your fingers when you go to take it off. You know, that's what I think about, those old hurricane lamps. But that's not what they envision. This is actually a little clay disc that was fashioned into a circle and then cupped and then pinched so that it would hold a little bit of oil and you could put a piece of string, piece of flax in there and it would light to the outside and it would feed. Now it works on the same principle as the hurricane lamp, but this thing is much smaller. This is something you could carry in the palm of your hand. And if you notice how much oil do you think might be in that little bitty lamp, that little bitty light that could fit in the palm of your hand. See, I bring this up because as we are looking at this parable, we look at Jesus. And you know, if we've been, you've been with us during the John study, John uses a lot about light and dark all the way through his, his book there in the Wednesday night study that we're doing. But I want you to get the idea of how big this thing is that they're talking about and how much oil is needed to keep it going. And if you think about it, it wouldn't take an hour or two or three before you'd have to put a little bit more in there. And then after another couple of hours, you have to put a little bit more in there. It just doesn't hold a whole lot. But it's a light that you carry in your hand. And this is probably the kind of light that Jesus is referring to. Let's take a look at this parable. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. What's that telling you? Something is like something else. What is it? It's a metaphor, right? You have one thing that you're familiar with, but it's representing something else, yes? And here he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. So from the beginning of this, we can see that this parable is about, is about foolishness. It's going to juxtapose two different positions here. It's about foolishness. An adult Sunday school class was discussing King Solomon. And people pointed out, you know, we always talk about Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, yes? But yet Solomon made some pretty dumb decisions in his life. 
And this Sunday school class, they started talking about it, and they started talking about some of these decisions, you know, just one after another after another. And the Sunday school class, uh, the, the one who was teaching the class, stopped and said, hey, hey now, are, are we picking on Solomon just a little too much here? And one gray-haired man in the back of the room said, nah, with all of those wives, he's used to it. Once upon a time, there was a king who loved to laugh. And he had a jester who could make him laugh. After one uh, of the jester putting on a very, very good show, the king was just so full of jolly and smiles. He handed the jester a small stick. And as he handed the jester the small stick, the king said, You are the most foolish man alive. If you ever find a man who is more foolish than you, I want you to give him this stick. Well, the years went by, and the king found himself sick and dying and on his deathbed. And he called for the jester to come and entertain him one last time, one last laugh before he died. And when the jester was through, he asked if he could could speak directly to the king. And they said yes. So he looked at his king and he said, King, where are you going? And the king looked off into space and he said, on a long journey. And the jester asked, well, well, how do you plan on getting there? And looking into the distance, the king said, I don't know. And the jester did an odd thing. He reached in the back pocket and he pulled out the stick and he handed it to the king and the king looked at him and said why are you giving me the stick and the jester said oh king you see I only trifled with the things of life but you have trifled with the things of eternity Friends, it is is foolish for us to know the cycle of this life and to not make any preparations for when we die. Let's get back to the story. Uh, The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any oil with them. Verse 4, the very next verse says, The wise, however, took oil in jars with their lamps. So we can see that this parable is not just about foolishness. It's also about wisdom, about making the right choices in life. Reminds me of a story. You've probably heard it somewhere along the line. Uh, a lawyer, a preacher, and a young boy are, are in a plane, and the plane's getting ready to crash. And the, the only problem is, is they only have two parachutes in the plane. Well, the lawyer stands up and says, I'm the smartest man on this plane, and I deserve to live, so I'm going to take a parachute. And he reached over, grabbed one, threw it on his back, and jumped out the plane. 
And the preacher sat there and looked over at the little boy and he said, Son, I lived a good Christian life. I know what's going on and I know where I'm headed. But you still have life ahead of you. You you go ahead and take that other parachute because I will be fine. And the little boy looked back at the preacher and he said, Well, preacher, I don't think that's going to be a problem because you see the smartest man on this plane just jumped out with my backpack. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, isn't there? I mean, we can be head smart and be pretty foolish, yes? Yeah. Because you see, knowledge is information, but wisdom is knowing how to apply that information. I think one of the best illustrations I've ever heard of this is very, very simple. Knowledge is knowing that tomato, a tomato is actually a fruit. It's not a vegetable. It's a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit cocktail. How do we get wise? Where does wisdom originate? Well, if we read Proverbs, we get this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9.10, Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Well, that's great. That's Old Testament. But how about New Testament? Okay, let's go to James. James says some pretty smart stuff, doesn't he? Doesn't James help us with wisdom? Yes, yes. James 1, 5. For if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously and to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Do you hear what he's saying? Any of us can go to God and ask for wisdom. And he will enlighten us. He will help us. So, how do we get wisdom? We seek God. And if you stop to think about it, the one who created heaven and earth and holds everything together, uh, it sounds to me like you know, you're going directly to the source. Sounds to me like a, a very smart thing to do. And one way we can seek that wisdom is simply by asking. When you don't know what to do, pray. Ever sung that song as a child? Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, he'll lead the way. Don't be a doubting Thomas, rest fully on his promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? It's available to all of us. And by the way, friends, those of you who haven't yet given your life over to Christ, you can speak to him too. In fact, maybe in you seeking him out, you'll be convinced he's there. But we can pray. Psalm 119 We read this, how can a young man keep his way pure? 
by living according to your word. I will seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. By the way, that last line there, verse 11, is your memory verse for this week. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what's another way we can find wisdom? We can hide what God has already said. We can get it into us by reading his word, by applying the principles that are in the Bible to our life, right? Every time a little boy went over to his playmate's house, he saw that his playmate's grandmother was deeply engrossed in reading her Bible. Every time he went over there, Granny was reading her Bible. And the little boy asked his friend, she goes, why is your grandmother always reading her Bible? And the little boy looked over at her and said, I don't know, maybe she's cramming for her finals. (laughs) Sounds pretty smart, doesn't it? The wise still seek him. Well, let's continue Matthew 25. Let's get back to the story. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins awoke and they trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for the both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell and buy some for yourself. But. While they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Reading this over, you know, Jesus is kind of sort of consistent in what he says. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Have you ever noticed that? Yes or yes? Yeah. Matthew 7. Let's see. When you're talking about Matthew 5, 6, or 7, what are we talking about? Sermon on the Mount, right? That first big sermon that sets the tone for everything else that Matthew says about Jesus, right? Did you know there's a spot in Matthew 7 where Jesus says there will be those who cry, Lord, Lord, and I will say, get away from me, you evildoers. 
I don't know you. But, but we, we did great things in your name. And he said, get away from me. Now, I imagine those four, five foolish bridesmaids were probably regular people, not really any different than the five that had the wisdom to bring some oil with them. They were just foolish with the things of eternity. And here's the point. Here's the point Jesus makes. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. All of a sudden, he's not talking about a bridegroom anymore, is he? You see, this parable is about preparation, foolishness and wisdom and preparation. And obviously, in the parable, he's talking about preparing for a for a wedding banquet. For us today, we can equate that to mean the banquet that will happen in heaven, yes? All of the bridesmaids went to sleep. There wasn't anything wrong with that. But the five that were foolish didn't use that time to prepare. Your preacher has a confession to make. And it has to do with wiper blades. I don't think I have ever changed a pair of wiper blades that were not wet. Um, Like in me standing in the rain changing the bad wiper blades. Now, there was a time when I thought, hey, you know, if I do that today, then I can say not every time, but today, which was Friday, when Joy and I were headed to Springfield for for a funeral. And it wasn't raining, but it was snowing. And you know what? The roads were wet, and all of a sudden, there was all kinds of junk that was on the windshield. And I knew the wiper blades were starting to get a little worn out. But, you know, I was using them, but I had this gross streak on my windshield for four and a half hours getting down there. And we got, we got to the hotel I put joy in the hotel. Now, I'm going to go to Walmart, and I'm going to get wiper blades, and I'm going to change them. Except on my way to Walmart, it started snowing. And by the time I came out of Walmart, there was a good half inch of snow all over the windshield. I had to get my brush out and break the, the windshield wipers off and all of that. And um, it was roughly uh, 14 degrees with the wind chill that was close to negative. I think it was negative two. And I didn't have gloves. 
and I'm out there. <laughs> this time in the snow, see, it's not raining, but it's still snowing, trying to get this done, and my fingers are going numb, and I'm having to run in and out of the car trying to do one, get one off, get in the car, warm up, get one back on, you know, and then go get the other one and do all of that. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> What's that, Wes? <laughs> Should have gone to AutoZone. They'd have done it for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't smart enough to do that either. But let me tell you, folks, the time to fix the roof and the time to change the wiper blades is when the sun is shining. You know, it's before, before it's too late. We know that the statistics are pretty consistent. In fact, you can pretty well bank on this until Jesus comes. George Bernard Shaw years ago brought up the ultimate statistic. He said the ultimate statistic is one out of one dies. We're all going to die. But here's the thing. Just knowing the statistic that there's a creator and that we will face him someday may make us shudder, okay? Yet trembling is not the same as responding to his call to serve him. We can have knowledge, but knowledge is not what saves. Friends, God became flesh and he dwelt among us and he showed us a sinless life and then he died a physical death on a Roman cross so that we would never be subjected to spiritual death and through Jesus sacrifice we can be made holy and clean and new But the time to prepare for eternity is when the sun is out. The time to prepare for eternity is now, not on your deathbed. The way to prepare for eternity is to confess Him as Lord and Savior. And make him Lord of your life. And serve him. And do it today. Friends, no one is ready to meet God in death until they have met him in life. That last thing on your sheet. The best preparation for tomorrow 
is walking with God today. So, I have a question for you. Are you ready? Father God, we thank you for how you were willing to enter time and space, to live among us, to use whatever means possible to get us to think about you and about life. And Father, we know that every day that you give us is a blessing to make that adjustment, to realign ourselves with you. And Father, we know there is a world that is not aligned with you and that many are as foolish as those five bridesmaids. May we be, Father, be willing to share the oil of your good news with them so that they will be prepared on the day that you come. We pray, Father, for your blessing on these next few moments. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.